All this paleo nonsense, ignore it. Life expectancy during Paleolithic times was about 30. Right. So if you want to live to 30, maybe eat that diet. But if you're interested in life beyond 30, um, you might want to consider a Blue Zones approach. Hey, what's up guys? Tino here, aka Bananiac, and welcome back to This Is Bananas. Today's guest is Dan Buettner. I'm so, so excited to have Dan Buettner on the show. He is the author of The Blue Zones. In addition to being a National Geographic Fellow, he's a New York Times bestselling author. He also holds three Guinness records for endurance cycling, has done some epic riding across continents and various countries the dude is amazing but the reason i'm having him on is because of the work he's done with the blue zones now if this term the blue zones is kind of new to you it was basically a project that looked at the different regions of the world where people lived the longest and they basically identified five places in the world where people are living much longer than all the other populations that was okinawa japan Sardinia, Italy, Nicoya in Costa Rica, Loma Linda, California, and my personal favorite, Ikaria of Greece. All of these places had many things in common, but one of them being their diet. They ate a predominantly plant-based diet. Their animal product consumption was very, very low. They also had other great lifestyle factors such as being physically active, having a positive social environment. But you'll hear more about this from the man himself. Also, big thanks to PCRM for letting me attend the International Conference on Nutrition and Medicine back in August. It was such a great event with many, many great speakers, which I still have plenty of interviews to release from that event itself. So again, thank you to PCRM for allowing me to attend. Now let's jump right into the interview and listen to Dan Buettner talk about the Blue Zones. How are you liking the conference so far? I just arrived, you so did? first blush, it's fantastic. No way. that's awesome. Well, you, you know, I feel like it's my tribe. You know, these are purpose-driven people who are here not to enrich themselves, but right. they're here because they have a science-based belief on what makes people feel better and live better lives and what's good right. for the planet and so it's a joy to be among them yeah definitely it's always good going to these things because there's so many like-minded people and i always just end up leaving more motivated than ever before um so yeah thank yeah. you so much for your time and coming on here um you are the author of the blue zones you study the blue zones but for anyone who might not even know what the blue zones even means. Um, could you just tell us um, what the blue zones are and where they're located? Yes. So blue zones is a concept I developed, trademarked, but um, it's uh, it's often applied to areas around the world where people live the longest. But it's really a concept. The idea is, in a sense, to reverse engineer longevity. Instead of looking for a longer, healthier life in a Petri dish or a test tube, we have uh, in collaboration with National Geographic, found five parts in the world, five parts of the world where people are living the longest, which means they're avoiding heart disease, cancer, diabetes, dementia, very high rates. And therefore, because they 
dodge these diseases that are killing most Americans, they're making it to a healthy age, 90, 95, 100 in some cases. And uh, Blue Zones, the, uh, my team went about trying to distill exactly what these people are doing and uh, find the common denominators in an effort to create guidelines for the rest of us to follow. Gotcha. Um, so when you looked at these uh, places, and by the way, you said there was five um, blue zones at the time you were saying? Yeah, we call, them, okay. we call them blue zones hot spots. Gotcha. What were um, those, if you could just name them really quick? Longest lived women in the world on um, uh, Okinawa, Japan. Brad Wilcox, in fact, is here. He's the great researcher on that. Longest lived men are in uh, Sardinia, the highlands. Um, the island of Icaria, Greece, it's a place where people not only live a long time, but they elude dementia, about a fifth the rate of dementia. Nicoya Peninsula of Costa Rica has the lowest rate of middle-aged mortality in the world. And among the Seventh-day Adventists in Loma Linda, California, they have the lowest, uh, well, they have the highest life expectancy among any American subculture. Right. And so when you were studying those populations, what did you find that they had in common? They don't exercise in the way they think of exercise, but they move naturally. Uh, their their days are punctuated with nudges. Um, they're gardening. They're doing yard work by hand, housework by hand, grinding corn, kneading bread. And they're moving every 20 minutes, burning more calories than they would if they sat at office all day long, tried to burn it off at the gym, and keeping their metabolism higher. They have vocabulary for purpose. They put their families first. They tend to belong to religions. They drink a little bit, which is usually a popular message. They eat mostly a plant-based diet. Uh, they eat a little meat, but only about five times per month. And we don't know if they live a long time because they needed those calories or despite those calories. Um, they have rituals to keep from overeating. And um, they have sacred, sacred daily rituals that reduce the inflammation of everyday living like prayer, meditation, taking a nap, right. happy hour. So they live life. It's not just a, you know, a quest for being buff. Right, right. And um, you said like they're just lifestyle is n like naturally active. Like they're doing – they're not necessarily doing sports or anything like that, but they're doing, I guess, labor throughout the day as part of their lifestyle, um, which is interesting because – we don't have that here. It's it's very foreign to most people because they go to work, they they sit in traffic, they sit in an office, and then you know many of them will claim that they don't have time to even exercise. So um, that's very interesting. Um, did you find that these populations were living a long time, like just a certain type of age, or or? Um, were they like centenarians or what, what were So living, living to yeah. 100 is not a realistic goal for most people. Okay. A realistic goal is not about 92. The average maximum life expectancy for the human species living in the first world, i.e. access to public health and health care, is about 92. So we're kind of programmed to sort of okay. fall apart. Uh, but these these places, these people – following a blue zone way of life, they're making it to 92 at much higher rates. And because you have so many more people making it to 92, you have the outliers, a higher percentage making it to 100. But an important point I want to make regarding your last point about physical activity, 
we're genetically hardwired to like fat, like salt, like sugar, and take rest whenever we can. That's how we survive. And we've just been so good at engineering physical activity out of our, out of our lives that we've over-innovated. We spend three times more time in our cars now than we did in 1980. There's a button to push for yard work and housework. We have gadgets and TVs. And the spirit behind that is good. It's just been too good. And the lesson we learn from these Blue Zones areas is that uh, deconveniencing our lives a little bit. Um, instead of thinking about getting to work on a car, uh, in Blue Zones, every trip to work or to a friend's house or to school for kids or going out to eat occasions a walk. They don't think of that as physical activity, but three miles of walking a day, which comes to them with everyday living, gets them the equivalent of 90%, uh, gets them the, the training equivalent of getting ready for a marathon by just walking three miles a day. Um, and so it's, it's painless. They're not paying fees at a gym or some bullshit um, CrossFit thing. Uh, it's the physical activity is just laced throughout their day. So the Blue Zones lesson here is how do we get some of this mechanical convenience out of our life and get back to being human beings? Um, the, the machine of which we have requires constant motion, not just bursts of motion at the end of the day. Yeah, I feel like the living of these people in the blue zones is just very simple. It's 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 something like that we don't see before. Our lifestyle, our society really has changed so much and has gone away from that. Um, it's a real shame. How do you how do you take what you've learned from the from these blue zone hotspots, if you will? How do you take them and apply them to? Um, the red zones, and I'll probably trademark that too if that's not taken. Take it. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, how, how would you apply it basically to the rest of the world? Um, yes. Yeah. So the, the central tenet is as follows. If you're fat and unhealthy in America, it's probably not your fault. Um, the obesity rate has tripled since 1980, and that's not because in 1980 – Americans were better people or more disciplined or had better education or better diets or better gyms or their parents loved them more. Our environment has changed. We cannot escape cheap, crappy calories. Uh, the number of fast food restaurants has gone up by a factor of 70. You can't go to a hardware store or get your hubcaps changed without being confronted by chips and sodas and candy bars. In the Blue Zones projects, which is my main work these days. I help cities become blue zones by changing their environment so the healthy choice is the easy choice and we we mitigate the unhealthy choices. So in blue zone cities, we work with city council to favor fruits and vegetables over junk food, to favor the pedestrian over the automobile so that um, much of how much we walk or drive in our everyday life is not a function of our individual responsibility. It's a function of how easy it is to do it. If it's super easy to drive, big, wide lanes, 60 mile an hour, um, speed limits, everybody's going to drive. If you narrow lanes, drive down speed limits to 30 miles an hour, 
Make sure there are big sidewalks with beautiful trees and bike lanes. You invite more biking and you invite more walking. And it just, people come, people respond to the demand that is induced. And ever, ever since the Eisenhower administration, um, city planners have induced automobile traffic. And now we just have to, so in my cities, we induce pedestrian traffic. And then we have a Blue Zone certification for restaurants, grocery stores, workplaces, and schools. And we have a program for individuals to become a, um, take a Blue Zone pledge and become part of a Blue Zone evangelist, so to speak. Right. How about um, places where, like, it's it's really the extreme? So I'm talking about, like, um, like in really urban cities or even food deserts where People will live in um, ur urban places, but they'll have like only a convenience store, like within like say a couple miles their home. They can't even have access to supermarkets. Um, how, how do you apply it to like really um, just an extreme an environment as that? So we have good examples in in our Fort Worth Blue Zone area. There's a place called Ramsey Market, which is in a classic food desert, the worst part of town. Um, we worked with them and we put this beautiful mural on the side of their uh, colorful fruits and vegetables mural on the side of what was a graffiti scrawled wall. And they've agreed to, first of all, take cigarettes out and put a big cooler in that, that offers fresh fruits and vegetables and would otherwise be a place for selling cigarettes. And they're bringing a whole new clientele there. Um, the neighbors are thanking them and they're realizing there's a business model. At the end of the day, it's got to be a business model. Well, it has to be sustainable, right? Economically speaking. Exactly, right. Yes. And um, it, it just doesn't enter people's, you know, the, the distribution system, it just doesn't enter people's minds. So if you if you can see the idea and show it works, then it's easier to spread it. But in general, to become a Blue Zones project city, we've had four or 500 cities approach us, and we audition them, and we only pick the cities that really want us. And it boils down to enlightened leaders, enlightened leaders that are sick and tired of seeing their kids grow up fat and unhealthy and people around them are overweight and uh, have tried the diet and exercise and biggest loser bullshit and are ready right. to say, let's try something new. And we have that something new and it's really working. Right. Um, and I kind of want to go into like the diet because uh, I'm a nutritionist. The people watching and listening to the podcast, they're probably vegan or eating a whole food plant-based diet. So I'm just wondering, what did you learn diet-wise from these populations? Yeah, so in Blue Zone Solutions, yep. which, which you have right there, yep. it, uh, we did a meta-analysis. So I, I, I'm not an animal, animal rights activist. I'm not a health food person or PETA with an agenda, I'm a journalist. And I approached uh, these blue zones with the um, uh, the zeal and rigor of a, of a journalist. Uh, but then I brought on uh, epidemiologists to help me aggregate 155 dietary surveys in all five blue zones. So if you want to know what a 100-year-old ate to be 100, you have to know what they've eaten for the last years. So we found dietary surveys for when they were 20 and 40 and 60 and 80 and 99 in all five Blue Zones areas. And when you take the whole meta-analysis, first of all, you find that between 90 and 100% of all the calories they intake are from plant sources. 
It's a very high carbohydrate diet. All this paleo nonsense, ignore it. Life expectancy during Paleolithic times was about 30. Right. So if you want to live to 30, maybe eat that diet. But if you're interested in life beyond 30, um, you might want to consider a Blue Zones approach. Um, 65% carbohydrates, almost all complex carbohydrates, fewer than 7 grams of sugar, added sugars a day. You're talking about like potatoes and um, rice. Yeah, all the time. Right. Um, but the... The five pillars of every Blue Zones uh, diet in the world are greens, whole grains, and all kinds of whole grains, wheat and, and rice and tubers. Uh, sweet potato was huge in, in the Okinawan diet. Um, nuts, a handful of nuts a day, and beans. I like to say if you, if you, if you want to take a supplement, uh, take 250 of them every day. Black beans. Right. That's it. Yeah, I'm not a big believer in supplements. You don't see it in any blue zones. Uh, they're drinking water, coffee, tea, and uh, wine, a bit of wine every day. Uh, you do see meat, um, but on average, only five times per month. If America could get down to five times per month, per month I'd be very happy. Mm-hmm. The average American, we're eating 206 pounds of meat a year here in this country. Uh, serving you know, half the size of this iPhone. It's a tiny piece of meat. It's usually a condiment. Fish a lot less than you think, on average three times a week. On average, three eggs per week, but very different eggs in the farm, factory farm produced eggs. You know, it might be, it might have one on Monday and one on Thursday and one on the weekend. Well, usually people are having like three per breakfast. Yeah, that's a mistake. That's a big problem as well. Yeah, and these are, you know, feral chickens. But, I mean, in, to, in journalistic honesty, uh, you don't – in these places, there was – they had a hard time aggregating enough calories to live. They couldn't run down to the Costco. I mean, they, mm-hmm. they're growing their own food. If you look at Blue Zones areas, they're, they're prickly and they're infertile and they re- relied on chickens or goats to aggregate. But these foods, the animal-based foods were celebratory foods. And there was a um, – there was an acknowledgement that you know animals treat it well, and then and then it broke down. But you know, ninety-five to one hundred percent of their calories are coming from beans and grains and greens, and you know the quotidian. I'm actually writing a book right now called The Blue Zones Kitchen. All right, nice. They'll be out in about a year that uh, captures the best hundred everyday recipes from Blue Zones, and there's not an ounce of animal products in any of them. That's awesome. So that's what people eat to be, live a long time. And, um, yeah, I mean, like uh, we were talking before, uh, my family's from Greece. And if, like, I, we would visit there. We have, like, most of my family's in Greece right now. Um, we would visit on summer times. And the, even in Greece, like, the diet has become so much like the American diet. Yeah. A lot of meat, um, especially a lot of dairy and forms of yogurt and a lot of eggs and things like that. And I just wish I could get And their health are going in the trash bin. You see childhood obesity and all these traditionally Mediterranean diet places. The uh, as this next generation comes on board, exposed to the standard American diet, their their obesity is soaring, diabetes is soaring, their health is I mean, it's so clear that the way we eat in America is toxic and wrong. And we should not be exporting it. No, definitely. I, I just wish I could get like my family 
in Greece and just the rest of Greece, they eat more like Garia because like they, as a country, they've moved towards the more like westernized and like eating more animal products. And that's, yeah, that's definitely not the way to go for disease management and prevention. Um, but when you were studying the blue zone hotspots, did you find that people were just um, uh, living longer or did you find that their quality of life was also better? Like were these people happier? Well, there's about an 80% overlap between longevity and happiness. I wrote another book called The Blue Zones of Happiness that, that aggregated around the world what makes you know, people report happiness, what they do. And it's essentially the same thing. But the reason these people are living long time is because they're avoiding the diseases that foreshorten their lives. So they're not at you know 60 developing their first chronic disease like we here do in America. Um, the option to be lonely is doesn't exist. They're um, they're expected to show up to church. They're expected to show up to festivals every time they walk out their front door. They um, they run into friends or neighbors, so they live much closer to the way we've evolved as a species, as opposed to a manufactured way of life. Well, I feel like uh, you hear depression more and more these days, just popping up in our culture. And I feel like never than ever, I'm hearing about people getting depressed, and you hear about some of these celebrities becoming suicidal and things like that. And um, it's very scary that our society, I suppose, just doesn't have like that support system that you would see in these different areas yeah. of the world. It's just really there's, there's no question the rate of um, de uh, depression, dementia, for example, in Korea is about one fifth of what it is in the uh, equivalent U.S. population. Right. So to your point, the same things that enable us to live to a healthy age 90 help us get there in a way that's pleasant and fulfilling. Right. Let me give you an argument. I'm going to play devil's advocate with you, all right? So I get this argument all the time when I tell people they eat a whole food plant-based diet, and that is, you know, uh, well, my grandfather so-and-so lived to be 100 or whatever, and he smoked and drank alcohol every day. He ate bacon and eggs for breakfast every day and did what he wanted, and he was just fine. What would you respond to those type of comments? They're outliers. There are a tiny percentage, fewer than 1% of people who could do anything they want and they'll live to be 100. And they're you know, freaks of nature, quite honestly. And because those individuals reinforce a, uh, a bad way of living that so many of us adopt, they, they get all the attention. Um, you, the, the, for every one person like that, there's three or four million people who drop dead at age 65 because of a heart attack, then they don't get any attention at all. Right. So I'm telling you, statistically speaking, if you do everything right, you can make it to 92. The average American's making it to 80 because of a, a suboptimal lifestyle. And if you're doing the things to live to a healthy age 90, you're also biologically younger every decade along the way. So don't be misled by these hyperbolic stories. And moreover, even if your 100-year-old grandfather says he eats eggs every day, the reality is if I asked you what you had for breakfast a week ago Tuesday, you probably couldn't tell me. 
your 100-year-old grandfather does not remember what he was eating when he was 10 and when he was 20. He was probably eating oatmeal. Right. So even though he had eggs the, the, the day you happened to catch him, uh, his life his pr life probably wasn't the way he's he's just telling you. Right, exactly. Yeah, that's a very common argument I hear. Yeah, Dan, we'll just um, have to wrap it up here. Thank you so much for your time. Um, where can people find and connect with you? Yes, yeah, so Blue Zones on all social media, but also we have a free test that can calculate your life expectancy at bluezones.com. And if you want to eat a, the vegan Blue Zones way, which is like a centenarian, we have a meal planner at bluezones.com, and I'd, I'd love for you to try it. Definitely. All right. Well, thank you so much for coming on. Thank, thank you very much. I love talking awesome. to you. Awesome. We'll do All this right. again. <laughs> All right, brother. So I hope you guys enjoyed this episode of This Is Bananas. To learn more about this episode, check out the show notes over at bananiac.com. That's B-A-N-A-N-I-A-C.com. If you're looking for easy and nutritious plant-based recipes to make at home, you can download my ebook, Bananiac Simple Vegan Recipes, from my website as well. It includes 25 of my favorite whole food plant-based recipes that I make and eat every day and will hopefully help you eat more whole plant-based meals as well. If you enjoy listening to this podcast, please rate it wherever you're listening to it. Share this episode with someone who could benefit from it. Leave a comment with your thoughts and subscribe to This Is Bananas as well as my YouTube channel Bananiac, which you can find at youtube.com slash Bananiac. This helps me become more discoverable and ultimately reach more people with my work. If you'd like to donate, please visit patreon.com slash Bananiac. Thank you so much for listening to my podcast and supporting the one man band that I am. Until next time, everyone, take care of yourself spread the word and we'll see you in the next episode. Peace.